Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we're looking at The Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. I'm Pete Wright, and this is a podcast which I know nothing about. Um, I'm not going to say anything about that one. Uh, today we're talking about Minute 27, which begins with Phil saying he can't stay and ends with Pepper asking what all of this is. Joining us on the show uh, from last week, it's Jonathan Carlisle back. Hello. Hi, I am back. You are. Um, I, you know, I asked you this last week, but I'm curious this week also. Uh, this week you picked Minutes 27, 28, and 29. Um, what specifically were you excited about as far as this, this uh, trilogy of Minutes? Uh, well, as we've kind of mentioned before, Tabitha, my wife and I, uh, we did watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, we still have a few episodes to finish, but, you know, we, back in, you know, back in the day when things would actually show up on the TV, we watched it the first time around. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of fun. We got some Phil Coulson here. The, in minute 21, we kind of talked about some pacing issues or maybe some choices that they made because of pacing. These minutes have really nice pacing that we enjoy the humor, the banter between characters, and it just clicks along and it's fun. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Pete, uh, you know, I mean, we've been, we've talked a little bit about uh, this leading up to this point as Phil is getting off of the elevator here in kind of this wonderfully surprising little beat that we have of him popping off. Um, and we talked yesterday with uh, Matthew Costello about the, the fantastic, just kind of like that movie star couple quality that we have with Robert Downey Jr., Gwyneth Paltrow, how they just, like, w the way that they're written, the way that they perform, their presence, it all just feels so perfect for a scene like this. And then you throw Clark Gregg into the mix. How does the whole thing play for you once we get uh, uh, Agent Coulson walking in? Well, I think, I, like, I would watch a straight two hours of this trio just giving good banter like it's just <laughs> so good like i i love the way they toss the ball around the stage uh it is so uh delightfully fast and uh like blink and you miss it wit and it's just exactly my kind of uh of dialogue and it's a real strength of the film when these characters get together. And and I think, you know, led largely by Robert Downey Jr., because he sort of leads the banter in all of the scenes he's in, whether Coulson and, and uh, you know, Gwyneth are in the, in the sequence or not. They just happen to be fantastic scene partners for him. I love it. I love it. I love it. The, uh, the power dynamic continues to be to evolve here as, uh, you know, clearly Tony is struggling with intimacy and names, Miss Potts, why is he Phil, those kinds of things, like questioning his, his identity and his relationship with her, clearly trying to question question his or, or stand up a defense against his his uh, identity with shield i'm out of shield remember i'm not in shield i don't have a part of shield uh and so uh, i just i god i just love it I, it is a juicy juicy scene jonathan you back when we talked about iron man as i recall 
I always think back to the moment when you and Tabitha sang, uh, cool guys don't look at explosions uh-huh. for us. Mm-hmm. So that always yep. helps me remember very specifically when you were on the show. So it was, <laughs> it was around that point in the film, minutes and 70 something. Um, so it's a very fun bit with Iron Man. I don't think that you had any scenes with Pepper though. So this is really kind of your first time, um, I believe talking about Gwyneth Paltrow and, and Pepper Potts, and just kind of like this dynamic between the two of them. Uh, I mean, how does this play for you as far as the way that the two of them, like there's, you can get a sense that there's a real relationship here. Like, how do, how do you like, what do you think of them? Uh, I like it because it's, we're kind of past some of the awkwardness. I mean, obviously it's still awkward, but they're playing off of each other. Otherwise, sometimes it could be, it could be kind of weird, like, because Tony is such a strong character and, kind of guides conversations the way he wants them to go. It's kind of nice to see Pepper giving it back to him and, you know, it kind of sliding off her as much as it slides off him. What I think is funny about, um, and the way you just described it is perfect, how he kind of like, you know, guides the conversations, like he's the one in the driver's seat. But what I love about the way that this scene is playing out is that he's kind of the one in the driver's seat, but everything that's happening in the scene is out of his control and he's trying Mm -hmm. to constantly be the one in the driver's seat again. And I think it's just, it's so much fun to watch like the whole, uh, you know, Colson handing him that laptop and he's just like, I don't like being handed things. And then pepper is just like right there. It's like, I love being handed things like, (laughs) (laughs) and then she just hands it to him. Oh yeah. Yeah, That's just like that whole swap, like the way that they do that with, you know, passing the champagne to Phil, And and then she takes, uh, she takes, uh, Tony's champagne and gives him the laptop. Like, it's just, it plays so funny. And those are the sorts of interactions that I think work really well. And it's the sort of thing where, like, this scene would be a great scene to be on stage. Like, it's it's just three performers uh, interacting in ways where things are moving between them. They're moving around the space. It just makes for an exciting uh, scene to unfold and to your it's point the Pete, odd couple yeah you could watch right? this whole thing you could watch a whole thing of just these three in this apartment as they have this conversation like there's there's so much energy here it's just it's exciting to see how they're doing it uh i mean it, it is just as much a, a neil simon joint as it is like dick van dyke like it is uh, it Aaron is classic Sorkin. Yeah, so it is just it, it has a really classic relationship feel and you know i I recognize that Gwyneth Paltrow has some controversial weirdness in her other lines of of business, but this is the kind of scene play that she has that demonstrates she's really good at this job. Like, I love watching her on screen, and I've loved watching her since seven. She is a a really, really good performer. And uh, I, I kind of don't care that she's, uh, what are they, what, she's a Nepo baby? <laughs> she's kind of a classic, uh, classic Nepo baby, if the meme is, if I'm using the meme right. But she's, <laughs> she's good at this job. Like, she is good at this job. She's got, uh, she's got great chops for it. And she can hold her own with uh, Robert Downey Jr. And that says a lot that that we go from things from these lines like, uh, you know, I love being handed things. Let's trade to I was having 12 percent of a moment and it was <laughs> delivered so precisely like she's her her delivery is a scalpel. I think she's fantastic. Is this, um, you know, we're as far as our 
the writer director of our, of, of our film here, would you say that this style of banter between characters is a signature? Because yeah. I, I mean, I think yeah. about something like Serenity, and you know, I, you, you know me and TV. I'm not as familiar with the TV works because I generally am and just watching films. But I feel like when I look at something like Firefly or Serenity, like I feel like this sort of interaction, like this witty banter between characters, is kind of typical. Is, is that fair to say? Yeah, I think so. As problematic as something like the uh, Dollhouse was, it was also there, um, and and Buffy. Like it, th- he cut it sort of cut his teeth on this kind of writing in in Buffy, and and that's what caused a lot of people to fall in love with it. Like it made the characters feel um, it, it, sort of in this accelerated or accentuated version of us the viewer like they felt really human but they were capable of doing of of speaking in a way that that felt natural but just a little bit more so and uh, i think that's a that was a real gift i would contrast that to speaking of the period to something like dawson's creek which took teenage like humans ostensibly teenage humans and made them speak like nothing else that felt natural in the known universe it was it was and and was equally, you know, loved by a lot of people because of it, it was just a whole different tone. I feel like what uh, who we're referring to as Tignataro uh, was able to do, it, it was able to really master was the craft of writing this kind of accentuated human dialogue that didn't feel otherworldly. And that's it's pretty special talent. Well, Jonathan, uh, you know, I guess this is a good uh, moment to, to talk about this particular film in context of this type of superhero film where we're building a team. And we had seen five films before this that were individual superheroes. But this was the point when we were finally getting that kind of that team build up film. And I mean, what is it about this particular film that worked for you when it came out was it was it the writing and the banter and the way that these characters came together like what worked for you that made it stand out over other types of superhero films where you had a lot of uh you know a lot of characters any anything in particular banter definitely helps i mean this movie there's a lot of fun one-liners that you remembered when the movie was over and you could repeat them to each other as you're walking back to your car from the theater and there were funny moments, you know, we'd seen, we'd already seen movies with Captain America and with Thor and, you know, they're not the same character. They get put into the same movie with the same writers and stuff. They start to talk and act a little closer to each other, but it's still kind of fun to see Thor, who's kind of self-serious, interact with Tony and, you know, to get that mix them up. I, I collected comics when I was younger, so just the team up stuff is always fun it's always like frustrating at the same time because like nothing ever really happens but it's it's still fun to to <laughs> see kind of that that clash of different characters in there they they come with different tones and they might be put into the same tone but they're still you know just to see that happen yeah are there other um other character pairs like i i feel like between last minute and this minute there's been a lot of praise over uh, you know, the Tony and Pepper banter. Are there other characters, other moments throughout this film that really like stand out as far as like that banter between those two particular characters was just exceptionally put together? I mean, there's the, the time in the helicarrier, you know, when when Cap has his famous, uh, I, know, I know that reference, uh, you know, when, when there's just a lot going on. And, you know, Thor is kind of 
out of place too a little bit because he's not from Earth, so there's some things he doesn't know. Um, so that that scene is uh, is pretty fun too. Okay, I would add the the first introduction of Tony Stark to the helicarrier when they walk into the command module area and he's putting the things all over the place and he he notes the guy playing tetris who ends up actually playing tetris like galaga i believe right (laughs) yeah galaga right those kinds of things are really great bits of of sort of those are sort of classic classic easter eggy things right like it's something for those of us of a certain age that that makes (laughs) that's both funny and wildly out of context and uh i i really appreciate that i think the um the lab scene and this is another one where we have robert downey jr with uh, Ruffalo, I think they go back and forth really, really well. But again, it's down, Robert Downey Jr. sort of dominating the sequence, both as Tony Stark and as a performer. He just, um, it, you know, Ruffalo plays inward while Tony plays all outward. And uh, and I, I think we see that here as, it, it, you know, he's, he's very, very consistent. And I'm trying to, I'm almost, I mean, it was so long ago now. I'm trying to think how, how in the world did, because Phil Coulson is a favorite in our house. And like, how did that even happen by the time this movie came out? Yeah. Um, I know he had little cameos here and there, but it just all, it, it all plays well that we were happy to see him in the movie. And, and then we were happy to follow him into agents of shield afterwards. <laughs> it and, feels like everybody was surprised, uh, including Clark Gregg, like surprised at <laughs> just how popular that, that character was. Right. Cause I mean, he, he had, a very few minutes in Iron Man and Iron Man 2, he had a little bit more. And then he had uh, some in Thor. So, I mean, he was kind of here and there, not big moments until here. And we're going to have plenty of conversations with Matthew Costello uh, about Phil Coulson. Um, but uh, the interesting thing about him is he is kind of this audience surrogate for us. And going back to the the writer-director, Phil Coulson becomes kind of that character that we get really attached to as being this character who has no superpowers. He's not even as cool as Nick Fury is. So he kind of is our in to be part of this group, and then he gets killed. And I think that's something that the, you know, the, the Tignataro has kind of like adapted as a tool to, uh, to sucker punch the audience into a way that, that suddenly you're like, you fall in love with something and then it's taken away from you. And then you're given a TV show with them in, in a capacity where it, it's all written as, as a way to make it work. And I think that's an interesting tool that they've used but one that's very effective to make us all really like that character the fact that they eventually let clark Gregg sport a leather jacket like and look like a badass not in a uh, agent suit and that clark Gregg is able to pull it off is a real testament to the guy's chops like he's 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 great i think where what he fits here remember when we first saw the trailer to the horror movie based on poo like it's that kind of feeling like they've somebody just killed piglet like that's who clark Gregg is in this thing. he's piglet and you see like when somebody kills piglet you feel a thing and uh, and i think they i think they just nailed that vibe right here i'd forgotten about that whole thing (laughs) very funny 
Well, okay, so let's talk a little bit about what's going on in this scene. So Coulson walks in and he passes this fancy, fancy, fancy shield laptop over to Tony via Pepper. Um, it is a, a shield mobile terminal is uh, the way that it's scripted. It It is, it's such an interesting tool and it, it just another interesting piece of technology that it's either shield or Tony who always has such interesting technology it is two pieces, and you pull it apart, and then one sticks into the other as kind of a touch screen. And I, I couldn't help but by just be mesmerized with watching how it worked and, and seeing how Tony kind of assembles this thing as he goes to kind of, um, you know, look at it and what's on it and everything. Um, I, how did how did this technology play for the two of you? Did it feel too too stark for Shield, or does it feel Shield enough? Too stark for shield. I don't know. I, I kind of <laughs> at this point, I kind of feel like they're probably working back and forth enough that you sure. know, maybe maybe Stark helped them with developing these new laptops, and they're just you know he knows exactly what to do with it. Right. Yeah, he knows exactly. And and I don't think we're shocked by like the fact that there are holograms floating around his space anymore. We kind of assume after what we've learned in his own lab in his house that, you know, a hologram uh, holographic projectors all over the place probably just is the norm for everywhere he goes. I think what works best about some of this technology, like they introduced this entirely new form factor of this the slighty easel style computing device and it's such a toss off it's like tossed off as a joke like nobody thinks this is a wonder of the universe that this exists this amazing cool thin film kind of projected device and it's just like we get it for less than a minute we're looking at this this device and then we move on to the story and i think that's when when a lot of the whizbang stuff works best and on the other side of that same coin, it's a, a ridiculously easy prop on set that requires a lot more effort in post. Like it is, it's a hundred percent a CG <laughs> event. Like they're they're really just looking at acrylic that, and they're putting a, a image on top of it, and then in the air, and so it's all all of it is art designed after the fact and and uh so it, it, the 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 thing that it is 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 a beautiful toss off that we just get to marvel at in a breath and i think that's when that's when this stuff is most effective it is cool like i i would like to play with that but at the same time you know sometimes you think like advanced technology shouldn't be more cumbersome and so having it you know having a laptop that's actually two pieces where you could, as you're sliding the one out, you might drop it and break it. And they're like, oh, I'm out. You know? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Well, that's that's actually an interesting point, because it makes me wonder if if this if the bottom half is anything more than just a stand, you know, and if if it really is just a single screen that you could probably just pull off and just walk around with and just be tapping on like a, uh, you know, like an, a pad of some sort. And it just seems like the bottom because, uh, you know, I would think that the bottom would have a keyboard or something, but it doesn't. It has nothing on it except for a shield logo. And so I guess it is just a prop for it. So I don't know, I guess to that end, it is interesting that they even bother having that, that second half, you know? Yeah. This is how all shields PowerPoints are delivered. This is my assumption of how it works. Is like the bottom is, is the computer is the computing. When you put that, the, the, the screen in there, 
it's projecting from the base up through the screen and the you know it has like the handle on the top so i'm guessing like both you know they're working together the top and the processor to sensor the the finger touches and project all the stuff on there mm-hmm. oh interesting yeah you know i mean maybe i guess i just don't know have i don't have enough of a sense i mean earlier we saw when Tony answered his phone, it was essentially a piece of glass in like a plastic frame. And so to your point, I guess the technology would be in the plastic or whatever the frame, and it would be kind of pushing the information out into the glass. I don't know. I guess I don't have enough of a handle on (laughs) this sort of technology and how it would actually work, you know, but I like the way it looks in all these cases. Yeah, for sure. And we do see what pops up is there's a folder that pops up uh, for the Avengers Initiative folder 9-16 Avengers Initiative documents and we see asset 506 cap asset 828 Thor asset 436 Hulk asset 225 Loki asset 689 cube <laughs> those are our assets that we get in it um which i don't know i think it's it's interesting that it's designed in this way that they're all just different um, assets that they're looking at. But I guess it speaks to how organizations like S.H.I.E.L.D. and to a certain extent, like the World Security Council, probably view all of these people, huh? Just like they, they're they all part of a phase. <laughs> they're all part of a phase. Mm-hmm. Yes. Just a phase. Just It's just a phase. <laughs> we live in a simulation! <laughs> oh, we're not going down that road? Okay. <laughs> I do have two questions of this this minute. Uh, one, I assume that's a heated floor. <laughs> because if that was my wife, she would not be barefoot on a, no, a hard, right. cold surface. Right. Uh, right. Polished um, cement floor. Right. With just an open field of glass and a giant door that's always seems to be open for Iron Man to go in and out. <laughs> yeah. It's cold. Yeah. Uh, the other question I have is, uh, how how is it, Phil? Or why is it, Phil? Like, when, when does Pepper get to know phil yeah that's to the yeah to the that's an interesting yeah you know i i think uh, we talked about that a little bit in yesterday's minute the idea that i guess what i was saying what i like about it is that it feels like there has been world building between the last time pepper and and uh phil is that iron man 2 i'm trying to remember how many interactions i feel like most of the interactions in iron man 2 were between colson and tony um, I, I can't remember a ton between, if any, between him and Pepper. There, I'm sure there probably are some. I'm just my my brain is forgetting right now. But certainly in the first Iron Man, where they kind of developed their relationship, like that's where things really began. I just like feeling like there has been time between then and now over these uh, four years where they have had opportunities to kind of get together and chat and just kind of develop a, a friendship at least a little bit. Uh, I mean, a working relationship, if nothing else. And I don't know, I guess I like that sense that there is that opportunity there. I mean, obviously, we'll we're, we'll talk about it later. There is going to be opportunity for them to have talked about, you know, other people in their lives and stuff. And so, um, yeah, I, I don't know. But I guess for me, I like that it gives me a sense of world building. Yeah, I guess it also gives us the sense that, uh, you know, when Tony's giving everybody the cold shoulder, like Pepper's the one dealing with things. And 
He's like, well, I, I talk to him all the time because you won't talk to him. Yeah. I imagine there are a lot of people she has this kind of relationship with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All the relationships that Tony is uh, avoiding because, yeah. you know, he doesn't because like being handed things. He doesn't right. like actually developing the relationships. He just wants to sit in his workshop and tinker and make new toys. Yep. That's pretty much his life. Uh, I don't know if I, I mean, Pete, you already brought it up. The only other uh, thing that I love in about this particular minute is just the, um, I thought we were having a moment. I was having 12% of a moment that you had already brought up. But again, going back to just the fantastically scripted lines and the banter, that is such a great payoff to, uh, you know, a line that we had a minute ago. And so those little lines, the way that those builds happen, I just think it's uh, very well crafted. Me too. All right. Well, that's it for, uh, I think, Minute 27. We'll be back uh, with Jonathan uh, to talk about Minute 28 tomorrow. Uh, so, Jonathan, uh, remind everybody again about uh, the podcasts that you have done and where they can track them down. Yes, uh, UHF62nd, that's UHF62nd.com. If you go to the website, most people don't go to the website. They just listen to the pod. But uh, we've got some fun things on there, some weird things uh, uh, one of my favorite side things on the website is uh, uh, Big Boy Blog, because we it all started where our local Big Boy restaurant, we had one of those like actual like Big Boy uh, signs where it was a shape of a of the Big Boy. Yeah. And the wind blew it down and he crashed. And then so I started this silly little blog of finding all these Big Boys around, whether in good shape or not good shape. And and uh, writing these silly little articles that all have their own little weird theme to them. That's hilarious. But, uh, but yeah, go check that out. I think of you every time I see a big boy. I see I drive by oh, nice. garage sales and see little tiny like yard garden gnome big boys. They're, those are apparently weirdly popular around here. They're everywhere. Really? Well, I've never seen the little ones. Yeah, I, I'll take a picture next time. My pledge. Do you call them little boys, though? They're little boys. Yeah, they're tiny boys. <laughs> little tiny boys. And then... Uh, then I got bored with that, or I just I just lost information, or you know I didn't have any more big boys around me. And uh, a local town had a a small little train derailment, so I, I started writing about that first. So I don't know, just go check it out. It's silly. It's just silly. Just the silly stuff on your site. Well, check that out, everybody. We'll have links in the show notes to that. And uh, Jonathan, thank you again so much for joining us here today. Thanks for having me. And we'll be back tomorrow to talk about Minute 28. So, Pete, thanks as always. Tomorrow, I'll be on 12% of the minute. (laughs) Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Message to the World by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show.